how's it going tonight, everybody? This is Run the Real featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan. But am I actually Mike, or did we enter the genre of psychological horror or psychological movies, thrillers? What? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Who, who's Mike? Who are you? Who is this man? Who are you guys? <laughs> Why am I on the? <laughs> Why am I recording? Who put this mic in my face? It's me. Wait, I can hear whispers in my headset. <laughs> Am I dreaming? <laughs> Anyways, we are back with another review. And um, we are starting a new category for the next three reviews, or however many we do. We're doing psychological movies. Yes, yes. We were inspired by Perfect Blue. We talked enough about psychological thrillers and that, that we might as well do it. As a whole category. <laughs> and uh, we're kicking this off with my man's movie, my man Denis. Denis Villeneuve. Yes, his movie Enemy, 2013. Is this his first movie? This is not his first movie. Incendies is his first, like, big movie, I'd say. Yeah, Incendies is his first one. And then he's got some other ones. He's got some shorts. He's got a couple documentaries. But this was pretty early on came out the same year as prisoners as well so i wonder what was going on there with that i don't know exactly but anyways enemy was released in 2013 it has a 6.9 out of 10 user score on imdb on rotten tomatoes it has a 71 percent tomato meter guaranteed fresh and a 63 percent audience score quick synopsis for this one you have your boy jake gyllenhaal who is playing two characters in this movie, Adam and Anthony, who are doppelgangers who set out on a quest to find each other, and then events ensue moving forward. That's right, yeah, events do ensue. I would agree with that. The events do ensue. <laughs> I think we should just come right out and say this is going to be spoiler heavy, so if you haven't seen it want to watch it, come back and listen to this after you've watched it. And we're going to do something a little bit different on this review starting out. Fox came up with an idea. How about you throw it on us, Fox? Given the bizarre psychological nature of this movie and its um, opening line, something about chaos is order disorganized or something. Chaos is order, yet undeciphered. I thought maybe we should go around and just discuss what we thought the um, the plot of this movie was. Not its themes, but its chronological order and occurrence of events and what those events were. Because I, I suspect we may have some differing opinions on what happens in this movie. Fox, why don't you start us off since it's your idea? Yeah. Oh, you want me to start? Oh, man. Oh, wow, now I'm nervous. I've never started anything before. Oh, jeez. <laughs> the pressure. Okay, okay. so there's the, there's some major players in this movie, right? There's, there's Jake Gyllenhaal playing Adam, a history professor at a college, and Anthony, a, like, B-rate grade actor in, like, small parts in movies, all right? So there's Adam's wife, Mary, and Anthony's wife, Helen. Uh, Adam's isn't his wife. Adam's wife isn't Mary? Adam doesn't have a wife. That's his hookup. Oh, it's his girlfriend. Sorry, his girlfriend, Mary. The way I saw eventually, in the end, the conclusion that my girlfriend and I came to after watching this movie was that it's about a man whose name I suspect might be Adam Anthony, and he's currently living as a history professor 
with his maybe girlfriend, maybe wife, Mary. But going back to the plot of the film, it uh, revolves around Adam Anthony, a younger man as a B-rate actor who um, decides he needs to kind of, you know, settle down in life, starts putting his history degree to use, and uh, becomes a history professor, right? And marries a lady named Helen, who uh, becomes pregnant with their child. However, Adam isn't ready to give up his uh, pseudo-playboy life of being a B-grade actor and is still seeing Mary. And then at some point down the line, his uh, wife, Helen, starts getting jealous, and eventually they get in a fight and in a car wreck, and Helen and her unborn child die, at which point Adam gets with Mary and is where the film ends, in my opinion. I guess um, I've looked up quite a bit of stuff on this movie, like testimonials, um even though they can't really talk about it because they had to sign documents saying they wouldn't talk about it. The actors did, but I've watched quite a few YouTube videos on this. But for plot-wise, I do think that both Adam and Anthony are the same character, and he's having an identity crisis. Like what you said, Fox, he doesn't want to give up um, his playboy life, and he's having troubles coming to term with being a one-woman man. And so we get to see both of his identities, how he views them in the present time going on, and he's coming to terms with it. Because it starts out with him going to this like underground sex ring or something, and then it goes straight to him teaching, which will have some themes I want to talk about in a bit. And then he sees himself as an actor in a movie, and then that's when they meet, and then basically Anthony kind of takes over and is like, hey, I'm going to into your life, get with your girlfriend, and then I'm going to leave. And so from then on, I think nothing, well, not nothing. I think it's hard to tell exactly what is real and what is not really happening. I don't know. That's not a good way to explain the plot. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> well, it's super unclear, I think. Yeah, because... I, I've kind of been debating like the whole time since I've watched if, yeah, they're two different people or if they're like just one guy's imagining the other. I think there's evidence for both. Unless the movie is, yeah, not in chronological order, which I suspect it's not. I don't really, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm having trouble with this one. Like, I think the only thing going against them being the same person that's all in his head is the, the wedding ring thing where she finds the wedding ring she'd never noticed before. I thought that was kind of a little bit of proof, unless, of course, I guess, I don't know. How would she not have noticed it till then? I don't know. Like, I, I'm having trouble. I was hoping you guys would clear some things up for me. I think that event happened in the past. And then they got back together afterwards? I don't think they got back together. Let me voice my theory, Terry. I think it might give you some some answers to this. So, this movie is about Adam or Anthony. I like what Fox said that you think his name is actually Adam Anthony. That makes sense. I like that. So this movie's about Adam having commitment issues with his wife. That's pretty much a given with this one. There's only one person. There's not two of them. It's just Anthony represents the playboy side who wants to be wild guy and go to the seedy sex clubs and take home the strippers and performers there as a fling, essentially, because he can't stand being tied down to one woman because he has commitment issues. So that's what the main thing is. There's just one person, 
and the movies shot out of order essentially to keep you confused about what's going on adam is a history teacher he has been and he wanted to get a job as an actor and try out his acting gig and see what happens with that kind of the get out of the routine of his job and to get away from his wife who's now pregnant and all that stuff well she might not have been pregnant at the time when he started it doesn't really matter. He just wants to get out of that relationship because it's tying him down. So he starts going to that sex club and takes home one of the um, workers there, Mary, um, as is like is fleeing every night, essentially. And he gets that second apartment and he lives, well, he doesn't live there, but he goes there to basically have sex with Mary every night. Because he's having um, an affair. It doesn't get found out that this is going on until they go on a trip for a weekend. They get away. And on that trip, they get mad because Mary finds out that he's married. And on the way back, they get in a wreck. And Mary dies in the wreck. But Adam survives and gets the scar on his chest, right? And so from that point on is when it gets a little unclear. He's suffered some sort of trauma. This is what I'm not 100% sure about. He could have like amnesia from the event and is trying to remember who he is, but he's getting it mixed up with who he was before. That or he's recovered and he just can't accept um, staying at home and being a dad and being uh, a good husband and everything. So the rest of the movie is him coming to terms with that and trying to better himself to be a good husband and dad for the future so she just didn't notice the ring before all the times before they hooked up is that what you're saying see if you want to interpret it literally what you're seeing then yeah it's pretty much dark whenever she shows up right but if you want to interpret it figuratively like what most of the movie is it doesn't really matter that she noticed then it's just that that was the point when she figured it out he did something that tipped her off, and then she got super pissed. So I think noticing the mark is inconsequential. Well, the way she reacts to it is the interesting thing, because she acts like he's just suddenly, like, I don't know, like, who are you? I, I guess you could have react the same way, like, you've been lying to me, I don't actually know who you are, but... Well, and that could be be more of the just representing how they're thinking, because whenever Adam and Anthony are together that's just him arguing with himself essentially so it's very hard to figure out what's actually happened and what what's a metaphor and what isn't in this film which is actually one of my problems with it but we'll get into that later i was gonna bring that up too <laughs> that was pretty good dan the only thing i think he missed in there was he brought up that he was going to the sex club while he was still working as the teacher, it was after he be started doing the acting because he had to be a little bit higher up to get into that because it was so secluded and they only send certain keys out. But otherwise, I think you're pretty much on. It's not really 
as important when he went. It's just that he was going, and then that's where he met Mary, essentially, and got the hookup from. The only thing that compels me to think that he ends up with Mary in the end, and not Helen, who's pregnant, is that he has the photo of him and Mary in the apartment in the final scene. No, that's Helen. That's Mary with the red hair. No, that's Helen. Because if you look earlier in the film, remember when he's looking up Anthony online, and he goes and gets the picture to compare when he was younger that's a torn photograph of him with his wife helen and that's it's the same one that shows up in his in him and helen's apartment at the end i could have sworn that was mary well but it gets with helen i guess if it's helen i mean they look super similar for a while i thought that mary was helen just when they were younger but I don't think that anymore, but that's what I thought. Like I was, I watched the movie last night and I was sitting in the bathroom and I was thinking about it and I was like, (laughs) holy crap, I think I just figured it out. Then I, I did some more research and thought about it some more and I was like, all right, they're not the same, but. You could probably make an argument that they're the same person too, I think. You probably could. I guess, you know, that scene where he has the torn photo is probably after the final scene then. If the photo's torn, and instead of being intact in the final scene, well, I think it's before because after the car wreck, they would have—that's when they would have figured out that he was having an affair. So they probably had a big old fight, and then um, he ripped the photo, and then maybe she had an extra one and printed it out and whatever. It's not a, not as important. I don't think it's more that it's it's the theme it represents. You know, I think and I think you kind of already touched on this with like all the various themes and all the various metaphors. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I really found myself focusing a lot on trying to figure out the chronological order because there were just so many themes and so many Mm -hmm. metaphors. (laughs) That's for sure. Makes it extremely hard to figure out what's going on like i was like i get it like i get the themes what i really care about is what's going on in like the scene (laughs) yeah yeah what's the like the plot here (laughs) what's happening that's what i was trying to figure out i guess since we're on it that's one of my main gripes with this film actually is how it's it presents a lot of its themes i mean comparing this to perfect blue i mean perfect blue lays out the events and like through the events that are happening to the character, it presents the themes. Whereas in this film, it is almost entirely metaphorical. Like Adam talking to Anthony is all metaphorical, things like that. It's a lot more unclear as to what's going on. And it's not necessarily a good thing in my book. It's the whole issue I have with Fight Club too makes it extremely hard to actually figure out and follow what's going on and it doesn't need to be yeah i think it's just a little too vague about stuff i think it would help it a little bit for me at least like if i could at least have like a basic plot that i could follow and then yeah like you said with perfect blue the metaphors come through that and then i can take the second layer i think it it would help to have a solid first layer to put the second layer upon rather than kind of just making it all like not in order. Some of the stuff may not be real. Some of it may be real. There's not like a good foundation, I feel like. It's it's hard to, to explain it well, too, but don't get me wrong. I love that they did the doppelganger thing to represent him arguing with himself. It was really well done, and then it was extremely creepy 
and effective, but I'm just using it as an example for the rest of the movie um, when I'm making my point there. <laughs> I do think it's a really good like mood piece, though. I think it gets a certain tone to it, and that tone is really good, and it's compelling, and it keeps me watching. Like I enjoyed watching it. Like It's, it's very interesting, but yeah, just some plot stuff I think could have helped it a little bit better. I've got to say, this is like textbook Denis Villeneuve movie. Because in every single one of his movies, the main character is at odds with themselves within the world they're in. Adam and Anthony are so at odds with themselves, you know, because they are one person. At least that's how I interpret it. And he's at odds with himself and at the world and other people around him the whole time throughout this movie. Like his other movies, you get to see it externally. With Enemy, you get to see it internally what's going on inside this guy's head yeah which is really cool (laughs) and it's a change from his other movies because other ones you just kind of get to watch from the outside how these characters are having struggles with themselves in the world but this one you actually get to get inside this guy's head and see the nitty-gritty of why he is having this struggle yeah which i think that kind of stuff is compelling to a point but yeah i just i think it would have helped at least for me i like it when it has a better foundation kind of like his other movies i guess where yeah it's a little more external i think i'm with you cv i mean i felt like sometimes it was a little much for like the internal what's going on in the head i get that the plot is real weird and when i first finished this i was like what did i watch i don't know what's going on here but i watched this movie um about four days ago and it has really grown on me since then because when I first watched it, I was kind of, you know, like, hmm, what is this? Um, but the more I think about it, and it's a theme movie, like you guys are saying, themes and metaphors is what this movie's more about and how he gets his point across than with the strong story like his other movies have. It does feel like a kind of like an early experimental film for him. Yeah, and it is an A24, which those are usually, you know, more experimental because they let their directors have more freedom with what they want to do. It was interesting to see this, you know, a Denis Villeneuve movie where he had probably almost complete control freedom because I know this is based off of a book. and I haven't read the book. I don't know how closely it follows the book, but what I have read online says it's very kind of like inspired by the book more than anything else. There's actually another movie that's based off of this book too. I think it's actually just called The Double. It's got Jesse Eisenberg in it as the main guy. And it's pretty good too, but it's a lot different than this one. I think the other one like follows the book a lot closer because this one and the book are pretty different in terms of themes. I think we should talk about the elephant in the room, or should I say the spider in the room? What's with the spiders? What do you guys think? It's a metaphor. (laughs) The spider is a metaphor, and it's a symbol. It represents um, Adam seeing how trapped he is. He's caught in this web of this relationship and this commitment. He's caught in a web of responsibility, and he doesn't want to be in there. And also, you know, at the start, Mary squishes a tarantula. So it like sticks with him throughout the time and it keeps coming back. Because if you watch, the spiders always show up after he's had an encounter with a woman, like in a scene couple after, you know, like after the car crash, it zooms in on the window and it's a spider web. After he's had his conversation with his mom, there's that big giant spider in the city. Yeah, that's cool. And I mean, I didn't catch this stuff the first time through. It was when I was doing research on it. I was like, holy crap, that's really cool. 
and some of the shots like early on with um him like riding the the train or like city shots like the the wires and stuff kind of like are web-like almost as well like the whole city's under control perhaps Mm, kind of like the lecture he's talking about in the beginning yep the dictatorship you lose your control your freedom you know the more i think about it i really love that metaphor because it just represents where his um, psyche is at throughout this whole movie, is that he's trapped in this commitment and responsibility, and he can't get out of it. I mean, I would take it even in another angle. You know, obviously he's trapped in these commitments, but he's using the same tactics of like a dictatorship to gaslight his wife and manipulate his mistress. I would agree with that. I think that was a good metaphor for me. That was kind of cool to see a guy who was trapped and yet trapping himself at the same time. I was not expecting that at the end when he walks back and sees this the spider yeah it scared the crap out of me i love his reaction to it where he just goes huh okay (laughs) (laughs) kind of just looks defeated man i'm with you dad i hate spiders so much that was so freaky (laughs) i love the way they used them in this movie because there was that scene where i think he was dreaming he was asleep and you see this naked chick walking upside down on the wall towards him and it's kind of hard to see her face but the closer you get you see that her face is actually like a spider that was very disturbing it's very unnerving and it just you know represents where he's at you know mentally i really like the very end scene with the spider too because it's so well done from a thematic angle because they just patch things back up essentially and Adam's like, I want to, I'm sorry, I want to be a good husband and father for the kid, essentially. But then he gets that temptation with when he opens his package and sees it's the key. And then he's like, I might have to go out. And then instant, that's when his wife transforms into the spider. So he's instantly back in the trap. And it represents his wife instantly being scared again for their relationship because the spider's like cowering in the corner afraid of what he's gonna do next and stuff and then he's got the defeated look on his face at the end like i'm gonna just have to deal with this essentially (laughs) he gives in to anthony well we don't know if he gives in yet i would assume he's going to they don't go one way or the other with it He's got the temptation. I like to think that he probably doesn't go back into it just because of the events of the rest of the film. And it kind of, it defeats a lot of the character building that was built up to that point. But I mean, if you view it the other way, it works too. I kind of, you know how we're seeking those out of order. I kind of thought that last scene was leading up to like, everything else in the movie like he gets the key and he's like i'm gonna go to this thing so it's like the ending leads right up into the beginning and then that's kind of what starts this whole madness i think that was one of my interpretations i think i'm kind of with you tv just based on the photo being intact at the very end that's a good theory i haven't heard before yeah i hadn't thought of that either good call tv cyclical all right i got a question what did you guys think about the look of this movie the cinematography. I loved it. It was so like op- oppressive. It felt 
very yeah dystopian just by the color itself you know the colors and the shots did you feel trapped no (laughs) it's very bleak i gotta say I, i wasn't a huge fan to be honest it it felt a bit much to me, maybe. I'm with you, Fox. I do like me some yellow, but it was a bit much. <laughs> like, I don't know if, you know, obviously I don't know if he was the one doing the editing and whatnot, but it kind of felt like somebody who was discovering the um, color remove in, like, Adobe Premiere and took out all the blue channels and was like, hmm, <laughs> not that I ever did that when making <laughs> something. Suspicious. <laughs> That's kind of what it felt like to me, though. Like, maybe it was just a bit too much of the blue channel removed from the film. So, Denis Villeneuve usually works with Roger Deakins as his cinematographer, which he did for Prisoners, which was the same year. And that's also a very bleak-looking movie. But it looks a lot better, I think, than enemy does but he had a different cinematographer for this one than he usually works with i really liked it i thought it you know sure the orange it maybe it's a bit much but it, yeah it makes it feel more oppressive i think it really goes well with the, the themes at least for me i think it does too i think i can appreciate it because it goes well with some of the shots like the big spider over the city mm, yeah yeah that's an epic shot like it fits so well with that the naked chick who's the spider walking upside down by him in the hallway it's just certain shots fit really well with it but i i don't know how i feel about it to be honest i like it but i also don't like it at times too i would agree that it works well with all of the surreal like scenes i think it's good to overuse colors whenever you're trying to be surreal maybe they could have done that to Make it easier to follow what's happening. Use the yellow coloring to symbolize when he's arguing with his subconscious or it's having the more thematic elements. And then use a more normal color scheme, I guess, for the rest of the shots that are like happening. It'd be easier to pick out what's actually going on and what isn't. Well, I don't think he wants you to do that. That defeats like... His whole thing he was going for with this movie, telling you when things are happening, what's happening. That's true. But, I mean, for me, like Terry said, I like it more, a little more clear cut than what this is. I still think Shutter Island does it the best, really, because everything in that is pretty clear cut. There's one, I think, dream sequence, maybe another one, but... It does the same thing, but it's all super clear cut. Granted, it's not an introspective look on the character. I I get where you're coming from. I think this one, it might be more down to personal preference. So I guess here's another question. So the pregnant wife goes out to find her husband, or at least the doppelganger, and she goes and sits with him and acts surprised, maybe because it's him but he acts like he doesn't recognize her, maybe because he doesn't realize it's her and he's crazy. But it's kind of like one of the few moments where we go from a different person's perspective away from Jake Hall's character and go into, yeah, like somebody outside of it. I think it makes it, it convolutes a little bit more. I don't know. It seems... That's a good way to put it. That's the word I've been looking for. This movie is kind of convoluted at times with how it represents <laughs> things. That's they, You hit the nail on the head, Terry. So kind of going back to my thing, which I'm not 100% sure on, like I said, but he, he's having some sort of trauma, right? And it could be either um, 
I don't know the right term for it. Not really bipolar, but he turns and basically turns into a different person. So when he's like in that mode, he wouldn't recognize his wife because he's acting out as a different individual, even though he really isn't. Or if he suffered brain trauma from the injury from the wreck, maybe it's the amnesia angle and he's just like is forgetting what's happening at that point. Some kind of psychosis brought on by a head wound. Yeah, that or just his, um, (laughs) he's so (laughs) out of touch um, with his commitment issues that he's forcing another persona upon himself, which is pretty scary. What convolutes it for me is that she comes home and she's like, I saw the other you. And he's like, what's she talking about? Like, to me, that means that he must have like a psychosis because she's acknowledging the other dude. I've got an idea here. I think, I don't remember who said that he tries to be like a totalitarian over her and manipulate her. I believe he is, you know, trying to manipulate her into thinking that there is also another doppelganger of him out there because he's still kind of at odds with himself. And so he convinces her that somebody else is out there who looks exactly like him. Then again, when he gets back towards the end of the movie, he comes back home and she comes in. It's like, why do you have all the lights on? And they get in bed together. She asks him how school was. So it's kind of weird, but I think that he was trying to manipulate her there because he was still kind of having his, you know, two identities didn't know where he was going to go yet with either staying as Adam in this relationship or being a playboy as uh, Anthony. I don't think that works so much because she's not going to believe that, right? Unless something was actually legitimately wrong with him. If he knowingly was doing that, I think she would pick up on it. And that's kind of why she was really sad when he came home that day after she went there, because she went out to make sure that he was actually at his actual job and not out hooking up with Mary, right? At least that's how I took it when she was out there checking to see if he was actually at work. And then she gets there and realizes that he's having these issues that he's been having for a bit. She feels super bad for him and stuff. And she might just be playing along with it, too, to help try and help him out. I did read something in a YouTube comment, actually, that the guy's theory was that everybody's probably playing along to help him out. And this kind of goes into maybe he has amnesia theory because the other teacher recommends he watches the movie that he's in, right? And that's what kickstarts this whole doppelganger thing. So you could even look at it from that angle as they're trying to help him regain what he lost. And it's just really difficult going through that process. That is a pretty like awkward conversation when that guy's asking him about movies. It feels like he knows something a little bit where he's like, so you like movies? Because he's like, you're an actor. I know that. Or you've acted a few times. Jake Gyllenhaal is like, what do you mean? What's your point? You know, and he he recommends a movie with Jake Gyllenhaal's character in it. That is an interesting theory too. Or maybe he just recognizes him as a. Maybe he's not trying to help him along, but maybe he's just like, I like movies, and I noticed you're in some movies, and he's like doing like a wink and a nod kind of thing, like, 
maybe you should check out this one, eh? Like, I know you. I know what you do. Yeah, it's it's unclear. I think my main problem is a lot of this, if you try to make it work from one perspective, there's something convoluted that messes it up, right? Whereas if you watch Shutter Island, there's three different things that could happen in that movie, and all three of them work with no convoluted parts. And I think that's it's it's part of the issue I had with this film is I feel like I'm dancing around my issue. I just can't describe it very well because it's this this type of movie. <laughs> I get what you're saying. You keep comparing it to Shutter Island, and like what we're saying, Shutter Island is pretty you know straightforward, but there's all these different possibilities that can get out of it. You know, at the end, whereas this one has you know that ambiguity to it but that's not really what this movie was going for to get across to you as the viewer it was going to get these themes and these topics to you and so that's just a difference in the filmmaking process that the directors you know like scorsese decided hey this is how we're doing shutter island villeneuve decided hey this is what i'm doing with this movie i i totally get it but from like a filmmaking standpoint I think he could have done a better job making it work out, right? Because look at Perfect Blue. Perfect Blue is the same thing, really. Ah. Seeing a double of herself, a different side of her personality. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's doing it through the lens of her job and what she's doing, and she's coming apart doing it, right? It's not exactly the same, no, but it's it's the same kind of idea, but Perfect Blue, I think, does it better and has a more clear, defined structure while still getting all those really good metaphors and themes and thematic moments in there. Well, Perfect Blue wasn't as heavy on the theme side as Enemy is. Enemy is very, very heavy on the theme side of what it's trying to get across to you. I don't know. I don't know if having a lot of themes makes it heavy on themes. I don't know if it really explored them as in-depth as a movie like Perfect Blue explored its singular theme. Well, the main theme in this one is the commitment issue, right? And it does a, a hell of a job exploring that, I think. I mean, it does it better than almost any other movie I've seen. I guess I would just prefer quality over quantity in terms of themes but it's not bad movie though (laughs) it's it's so hard to describe i guess i feel like perfect blue and shutter island you know make you question reality through narrative and this feels like it's trying to make you question reality through a psychology essay yeah through like the filmmaking itself almost Mm -hmm. it's not about the narrative it's about the art for the sake of art which is it's an interesting take on it like i don't mind i I think this is a good movie but yeah, I just as a viewer, I maybe it is personal preference, but I do I think I prefer something with a little stronger of like a narrative legs to stand on. I think it goes down to what you want out of the movie too. Like you guys are saying you wanted more of a, you know, solidified plot out of this, what was going on. Which I think is great. Plot is super important to a movie. But what always sticks with me when I watch a movie is like the themes that it gets across to me. And this movie kind of, you know, it's stuck with me for the past few days, you know, after I've seen it, I want to watch it again, because it's kind of like how it approaches these themes, and these themes kind of stick with you, because you like, take the other dudes who show up to this sex club at the start of it, they are all there escaping 
from their responsibilities as, you know, probably a, a father or whatever they're doing, their families, they're escaping from that to get there. And, you know, that stuff happens in real life all the time. It, it explores it good, but it has a good concrete plot in there. It's just shot, it's shot out of order. But when you try to make it work, there's so much that convolutes it that um, with the themes and stuff that it doesn't work so much from the plot aspect, I think is what we're getting at, right? Because it has a plot and you can piece it together since it's shot out of chronological order. It just doesn't work. It's like you're trying to cram a pillow into a pillowcase that's too small for it. It's kind of like... Earlier, but we were bringing up stuff, and then I think you were saying, Dan, like, well, I don't know if it's that important to the plot of the movie. You know, it feels like, you know, I he took the themes very seriously, but I, I can't help but compare it to, like, his later works that I've seen. And he does a great job of getting an excellent story and still exploring these dark, deep themes at the same time. Whereas in this one, it feels like he kind of, I wouldn't say he slacked on it. I think he did this intentionally. It's definitely it's just it's more experimental. I think he was trying something different, which is cool, but at least for me as a viewer, it, it's just not as compelling as something I've seen him do later on. In my mind it's like it's going to, you know, if if Denis Villeneuve is going to be, you know, one of our contemporary masters of film, to me this is, you know, his Barry Lyndon. That movie that most people don't watch, and the ones who watch it either despise it or think it's a beautiful work of art. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that, yeah. I will say this movie gives me hope that um, he's going to get certain aspects of Dune pretty spot on. I know I sound like I've been pretty negative on this movie, because I'm trying to describe what my issue was with it very poorly, but... It's really, it's a cool movie because it, it is, it's a work of art. Like Fox said, you got to sit down and look at it and you got to take time to think about it. It's like doing a puzzle. You got to figure it out, which is a really unique experience that you don't get at all nowadays with movies. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I, I just like it. I think the, the tone is excellent and yeah, the shots. I liked the the cinematography a lot, and just the overall vibe of it really holds this movie up. Even if I can't follow the plot all the way, I do think the the vibe and yeah, like the themes and stuff keep it afloat. Yeah, for sure. Because you're just sitting there, and when things are happening, you're just you're super engaged because you're like, what's going on? Or it's super uncomfortable and unsettling. Especially when they first meet each other in the hotel room. Oh, man. That's my favorite scene in the whole movie, probably. That was so unsettling. And then they had the the really good soundtrack on there, too, that really heightens up the creepiness and makes you feel despair and stuff. So do we want to hit up some overall presentation? Let's do it. Yes, yes. So we have a scale... It's not convoluted at all. It makes perfect sense. Um, we go from lowest to highest with burn it, pass, watch it, or buy it in that order. So we kind of you know give our spiel of what we think, a general summary, give our rating, and then we try to even it out at the end and have some sort of concrete result. But that doesn't always happen. So, so who's going first here? Is it Mike? Let me use a random 
random picker here on the internet. It's the only fair way. It is. Oh, looks like Mike's up first. <laughs> Who's Mike? <laughs> what? Or this doppelganger of Mike. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you guys can't tell, I really like Denis Villeneuve. I always know when I'm watching one of his movies because they are just, you know, presented in such a way, you know, with the character development, the themes, the struggles they go through. The world building is usually really awesome in them, too. And I like that every single one of his movies that I've seen so far has tackled different themes and done them in great ways. And this one, I think, does it as well. I can see why people have, you know, some issues with this one. Because, like, when I finished it, I was like, what happened? But the more I think about it, the more I like it. It's not my favorite Denis Villeneuve movie, but I still stand by that this dude is a master of film. I got to give this movie a buy it. All right. So um, we we came in initially talking about how this was a really theme-heavy movie, and it is an extremely theme-heavy movie. But I kind of feel like throughout this review, we ultimately wound up uh, agreeing pretty much uh, unanimously on the themes of it, but debating the plot. Not because the plot was so deep, but because it's so convoluted. I don't know. That, that was that was weird for me. As, as you probably noticed, that was kind of my big issue with it. I really enjoy exploring themes through narrative in the medium of film. And I think for that purpose, I'm going to have to give it a pass. Oh. You know, I... I really hope, like, I, I love Denis Villeneuve, and I, I, I hope his career continues um, pushing him towards being the next great master of cinema. But kind of like Barry Lyndon, I just really, you know, Barry Lyndon is a beautiful film and is a technical masterpiece, but I really just couldn't recommend that anybody ever watch it, nor do I ever need to see the bits of it that I saw again. <laughs> and it is kind of how I feel about this one, I think. So Yeah, I think I agree with you, Fox, that, well, I think we all sort of agreed that, yeah, the plot isn't necessarily the important part of this movie. But I do think this movie really excels at being just kind of a, a mood piece with the colors, the themes, the strange imagery, and the intensity. Um, and for that reason alone, I think it's watchable, even if you can't quite put together all the pieces of a puzzle. I do wish it was a little more concrete and a little more stable of a foundation with the narrative, but it wasn't off-putting enough for me to not enjoy it. So I think I'm going to give it a watch it. I do like it. It's the second time I've seen it, and it does make me think. I, like Mike, love Denis Villeneuve, and all his all his movies are wonderful, wonderful movies. He's one of the best directors working today. All his movies are different, different genres of film, and he, like Mike said, he always tackles uh, characters, um, how they deal with certain issues and the thoughts that go on in their heads, which is neat. He's able to um, take that style and transfer it to every single movie he does, regardless of the genre. This is for sure his most inward looking film out of all the ones he's done at the um, expense of the actual story going on at times it's not a fault of the filmmaking it's completely intentional so i won't fault him for that it just doesn't resonate with me as much as something like perfect blue that has the concrete plot and the really introspective look on the main character and they go hand in hand right it's it's a great 
film to watch. It's got a lot of harrowing moments in it um, and really cool parts that you're not going to see in any movie. And it handles the subject matter extremely well. It represents all the themes extremely well, better than probably any other movie like this out there, I think. It just, I don't, I don't, it, it's a tough one for me. It's very convoluted what's going on most of the time. And I think that distracts the viewer, or at least it distracted me a little bit. And I just wish I had, like, like Terry said, I wish I had a little bit more to go on from the plot. I'm going to give this a watch it as well. It's really good. I would definitely watch this multiple times. I think it requires at least two viewings um, to fully get what's going on with it. All right. So how do we even that out? Uh, That would be a watch it. Majority rules, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) This is a democracy. We're not totalitarians. Run the reel certified as a watch it. Yeah, check it out. It's on Netflix. You can watch it. Well... Pretty much for free, I mean. <laughs> oh, is it on Netflix? God dang it, I didn't even check Netflix. I checked Hulu and I was like, hmm, nope. Went over to Amazon. If it's on Netflix, you have you have no excuse. Watch this movie, it's great. Yes, rent it on Amazon. Buy it if you like Mike. I didn't buy it. Terry bought it for me. <laughs> Thank you, Terry. <laughs> In a roundabout way, I guess I did buy it. Wow. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right, Terry and Fox, what are your favorite Denis Villeneuve movies? Oh, man, it's Blade Runner. Yep. That one's just, that's a modern classic right there. It's one of the, if not the best sequel ever made. I would agree. Because it makes the first film better by existing. <laughs> I'm trying to think of which one I like best. It's It's got to be between Prisoners and Blade Runner. I'd probably go with Prisoners, I guess. Just a gut instinct, I think, is what I would pick. What's yours, Mike? That's a very hard question. I think this guy's been on a roll since Prisoners. He's just going nuts. Like, he had Prisoners, an enemy the same year, then Sicario, Arrival, Blade Runner. You know, I think I have to say I like Arrival the best. I love Blade Runner a lot, too. And I love Prisoners a lot. And I love Sicario a lot. <laughs> oh They're all God. so good. It's very hard for me to pick, but I'm not going to lie. Every time I watch Arrival, I ball like a baby at the end of it. You can't watch that one without crying. Dude, it hits me in a spot. Yeah, it like hits you hard. I don't think, Fox, you haven't seen that yet, have you? No. <gasps> A sin. A sin. for me. <laughs> he must be sacrificed. It's like we keep watching like other movies every week for some reason. We lived together for like years and you didn't watch it. We did live together for years. <laughs> Plural. I failed. You failed, Denis. I failed you, Denis. <laughs> I know. There was always this other thing hovering over us demanding our movie time. <laughs> Hmm. All right, so what's next? I've got something, if you guys are interested. Lay it on us. I was thinking we could do Jacob's Ladder. Oh, boy. (gasps) Oh, man. That was going to be my pick. Can I share this pick with you? (laughs) You may share if you wish. Yes. All right. That sounds good to me. And if you listeners have any suggestions for anything that you want us to cover, maybe you 
want to like rebuke some of our statements maybe you think we're our opinions are wrong on stuff you can let us know at run the real podcast at gmail.com or you can find us on facebook or twitter at run the real we want to know what you think about these movies we want to hear your opinions and see if you've got theories of your own maybe who knows yeah yeah hit us up We'd love to hear from you. We would. We need more movie ideas. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Cool. Well, thanks for listening to us tonight. We really appreciate it. This is Run The Real, signing off.